This is the BFF Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things business finance. Each episode will feature an industry expert who will cover all the latest in technology, strategy, and optimizing the finance function for success. Hosted by Kate Wilson and Derek Chang, the BFF Podcast is brought to you by Tipalti, powering payables today and tomorrow. We're excited to welcome our BFF of the day, Darius Gesamian. Darius is a Senior Revenue Operations Analyst at Tipalti. With a demonstrated history of working in both the finance and automotive industry, Darius has held positions as a Senior Audit Associate at KPMG and a Senior Revenue Accountant at Pandora. Skilled in generally accepted accounting principles and financial accounting, Darius received his Bachelor of Science from San Jose State University. It's great to have you on the podcast, Darius. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Great to have another Spartan on the call. <laughs> Most definitely. Yeah, no, you got to have the Spartan pride. First off, we're dying to know, have you picked up any new hobbies or interests in quarantine? Yeah, I would say during quarantine, you know, before quarantine, I really saw my house as a place to either sleep or or be in the garage to work on my car. And I've found that, you know, there's more to that to, to home than that. So I've really picked up cooking, something that I'm pretty happy about, as well as just kind of working around the house and doing what a lot of people have been doing is, is getting into some gardening. So I've been enjoying just kind of hanging around the house and being a little bit more lackadaisical, I guess. What's your dish of choice right now? Right now, so I've actually been trying to perfect the, I've been doing my own kale chips. So I got an air fryer and I make my own kale chips with my own different types of seasoning. So I've, I've, I've been working on that one for a while and I think I've got a pretty good recipe down. You know, now you're volunteering to bring stuff in when we get back in the office. <laughs> I have no problem with that. I highly doubt too many people will be excited about kale chips, but for anyone who is, I will definitely bring some. I've also started a porch garden. So understanding that whole gardening trend during the pandemic is very big. It is. And it's it's actually pretty fun. It's, it's fun to see them kind of grow every day. And I think because we're at home, it's easier to take care of them. You don't really have the excuse that we normally would have. Definitely. We'd love to learn a little bit more about your current role. What sort of projects are you working on right now? So right now, I've been mostly working on really just getting our AR system and our invoicing order to cash system up and going. So we implemented NetSuite at the beginning of this year, which is which went pretty well. And now it's really just fine tuning that. So that's kind of an ongoing process that we've been kind of trying to perfect, as well as one project that I've been working on that is pretty exciting is getting us all registered for sales tax in a lot of different states. So historically, software as a service was not taxed from a sales tax perspective. But in the last couple of years, you know, a lot of states have come out and have released new guidance around the sales tax. So getting us up to speed on that, it's been a pretty pretty tedious process, but it's a lot of fun. You really get to dig into the details. So that's one of the main projects I've been working on over the last couple of months during quarantine. Is that due to the whole Amazon effect, the e-commerce effect that's happening? Exactly. Yeah. So it came out just really over the e-commerce effect. Like you said, I mean, there's so many different states that people are selling things to, as well as a couple key rulings. And they just, you know, the states realize that, hey, you know, the internet is here to stay and we better start taxing this. So a lot of software companies never thought about that in the past. So it's it's kind of time that, that more and more states are now kind of coming to the forefront and asking for us to remit sales tax and, and collect sales tax. So that's been a process, right? There's there's kind of the customer 
customer change, they need to understand, hey, you know, we're going to start charging sales tax. And as well as from our perspective, we need to implement the processes to appropriately collect sales tax and remit it back to the state. So that's been a, it's been a fun project. That's not something I've done in the past. So it's, it's been an interesting, interesting couple of months. Did you always see yourself getting a degree in accounting? Most definitely not. I think most people who've known me in my past, as well as people that probably know me now, would never think that I'm an accountant. I actually went to to San Jose State really just to satisfy my mom's desire for me to get a degree, as well as, you know, I always had an interest in just learning more. And I started really as a general business degree and had a, a professor actually reach out to me and, and kind of propose that, hey, you know, you should really look into accounting. And, and I actually got my start in accounting because I, I scored an internship with KPMG. They they reached out to me when I was a sophomore and, and kind of gave me a small internship over the summer and really introduced me to the world of accounting. Before that, I didn't even know what a CPA was or what accounting really entailed. From that, you know, I really decided that this was a career that was worth pursuing and I've come to really enjoy it. But yeah, I never saw myself getting a degree in accounting. I, I wanted to be a philosophy major or just become a mechanic. So, so it's definitely a stark contrast to what I expected I was going to be doing. You mentioned mechanics, and I, I know you're a drift racer, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a sec. But I wonder if maybe putting together a working vehicle is a lot like accounting in terms of like closing the books. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of parallels. Um, you know, working on a car, and especially when you're doing more of a race type program, it's really a lot about project management. And I think that's the same thing when it comes to closing the books on a monthly basis. It's all about project management. It's trying to understand, okay, what is the order of operations? You know, when can I get things done? And when you're working on a car, you usually are working in a team as well as, you know, an accounting team as well. So there's a lot of parallels. You know, you have to work amongst different people with different personalities and different skill sets. And, you know, there's no one more valuable person than the other. So, yeah, there's a lot of parallels. I would say that really helped me understand, you know, the mechanics of working with a team and, and really working towards a bigger project. That's really interesting perspective in terms of like how you think of accounting. I think a lot of what Kate and I would think of, you know, coming from a marketing background, we think of accounting as this kind of lonely thing that happens and it's not. It sounds like you actually embrace kind of the more collaborative space around it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, I've always tried to see things as more in a team environment. I always you know, I was blessed in my career to learn a lot from other people and I try and do the same thing. So I, I, I try, try and stay as humble as possible. So even when I know something, I know there's always someone who knows a bit more. And luckily in accounting, like most things in life, it takes a lot of experience. And when you're working with people that have a, a lot more experience than you in, in one field or another, you, there's so much more to learn and different tips and tricks to kind of take from it. So I, I, I take that where, whether it be in you know racing cars or, or in accounting. And I really enjoy the collaborative effort of the accounting team. You know, we're all kind of one group of folks all trying to issue financial statements at the end of the day. And and yeah, it's, it's really just a team effort. I don't think it's as siloed as people would normally expect it to be. While there is, you know, an individual aspect of it, I think at the end of the day, it, it takes a, a, a bigger team to really get the job done. Okay, we got to talk about the drift racing. <laughs> I saw the video. <laughs> There's a YouTube video of Darius doing these crazy drifts. So how did you get involved in that? And what's the story there? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty stark contrast to what most accountants would typically do. So for me, I've always been really interested in cars. It's kind of a family thing. My 
my dad was into cars, all of his brothers were into cars, my grandfather was into cars. So it's something that was just kind of always around me. And at a very young age, I was interested in, in really the racing part of cars. And that was the one part that nobody in my family ever took took on. So when I was, you know, 14, 15 years old, I, I'd scored my first car. It was a project car. I was working on it. And, you know, I was kind of an outcast at school just because I was one of the only kids into cars. And there was only really a handful of people in school that liked cars. And one of them became my best friend. And he was into this thing called drifting. And, you know, when you're that age, you really just say, okay, if my friends are into it, I'll give it a try too. So I gave that a try. And and that was kind of my introduction to getting on the racetrack. So at the age of 16, I started going on the racetrack and got into a couple competitions. It was kind of at the early days of drifting. So it was quite easy to kind of go a little bit further. So I spent some time kind of driving around the country, going to different competitions, had these aspirations of becoming a professional racer that, you know, once I got into college, I realized, hey, you know, I'm probably a little bit better at the books than I am at the, at the racing. But yeah, that's how I kind of got my start. And from there, I just got the bug, you know, every every year, I spend most weekends over at the racetrack, whether I'm helping a friend or, or driving myself. And it's really just my passion. It's, it's what I love most in life. So I try and just be around it as much as possible. You see, you're still driving now. So right now, I actually just took a break. I sold my my most recent quote unquote race car. It's more just kind of a street car that you can take to the track, just because as you get older, it's it's hard to have a you know a, an expensive hobby like cars and try and you know start a family and do all the rest of the things that you have to do as you get older. But yeah, I still find myself at the racetrack all the time, whether I'm judging an event or if I'm just there trackside, just working on my friends' cars. So you started driving even before it sounds like you had a license. Yeah, I did. I did. So I got my first car when I was 14. Very grateful for my parents for supporting my my wild hobby. And and at that age, I, you know, I'd beg my dad every night to just teach me how to drive sticks. So we'd go drive around the corner, you know, just drive. There was a, a local church and I'd go in that parking lot and try and figure out how to how to shift the gears and drive around in circles. And I did that every night for a couple of years until I got my license. And at that point, I had already kind of done enough that I, I could get myself in trouble. And by that point, I was, I jumped in my car and me and all my buddies, we would go driving all night long and, and get ourselves in some trouble. But also it was some innocent fun. You know, when you're in a car, you can definitely get yourself in trouble, but it keeps you out of a lot of the other things. I didn't really find myself at parties or anything like that. I just kind of want to be either in a garage or, or driving around. So is it, is it the sp- speed or the thrill or the momentum or the machinery? What is it? What, what is the appeal there? That's a great question. I think for me, and especially when it comes to drifting, part that was so exciting to me is that it was a very, very visceral, emotional feeling when you're when you're doing something like that. It's so contrary to what the car should typically be doing. When you're drifting, you're sliding around a turn and it almost looks like you're out of control, but you're in control. I think that part of me was just very interesting. I've always been very curious to understand how somebody does something. And because of the speed, the sounds, the smells, you know, you're smelling the tire smoke, you know, you're smelling the tires, you're seeing the tire smoke, you're hearing the loud engine. It's just got all the different characteristics to really just get you excited. And I think there's there's something about that feeling that just just got me and, and I got the bug. It's, it's one of those things where once you're in the car, you'll realize exactly what I mean. Going back to your background at KPMG, what was the most impactful thing you learned in that role? In that role, I mean, I think I learned a lot from KPMG. I really feel like the the most impactful thing I learned was the importance of documentation and really learning the 
the mechanics of, of accounting from from the ground up. So at KPMG, they really work on, you know, from the very start to the end, you're always working with a team and people are kind of training you all along the way. And along that, you know, you really learn how to document processes really well. And I think that has really proved to be a valuable skill set as I've come to a lot of different companies, especially in smaller companies, a company like Topalti, where, you know, we don't have very many processes whether they're documented or not, and being able to come in and, and being able to understand, okay, you know, how can I document this process? How can I, how can I share this with, with all of the, the people that need to, A, understand what this process is, and B, have inputs to kind of change that has been a, a really valuable lesson that I learned from KPMG, and I thought was a really great asset to my toolbox. Yeah, especially, I guess, if you're working with companies on a growth trajectory that need to grow or looking to grow or just happen to be growing because of their success, documentation seems to have a lot more resonance and need than say, you know, your smaller shops and whatnot. Yeah, I, I really feel like that's something that I've been lucky that, you know, Paul and the team over at Topalti really values. And, and over time, I've realized that that's a, that's something that's really necessary. And it helps just kind of get everything ready for scale. You know, as you scale and as you build out a team, unless you have the proper documentation, it's really difficult for people when they're joining, especially in this virtual world, to understand really, hey, how do I fit into this team? How do I fit into this project? And having a clear documentation, whether it be for your team members or for external auditors, has proved to be really helpful to have and just kind of helps streamline the process when, when any hiccups kind of come about. Are there any generally accepted accounting principles that you disagree with? That's a great question. I can't think of any that I, I particularly disagree with. You know, all of the generally kept, generally accepted accounting principles are really value-based in order to kind of, A, give people that are going to be reading those financial statements the, the most accurate and, and unbiased information that, that is possible. And then B, are, are always kind of built into a system of trying to kind of correct for any mistakes that they've had in the past. A lot of these these rules and these rulings kind of come out of, you know, these big events like the financial state, the financial crisis that we had in the past or things like that. So for the most part, I, I think that I try and take an unbiased opinion against these. I, I, I see them kind of as gospel while they're while they're around and and just try and follow the rules. I don't I don't think there's any that I disagree with in particular. In your opinion, what are the biggest challenges finance is facing today? I think some of the biggest challenges that finance is facing is really being able to keep up with the, the changing times. You know, as everything has moved on to the internet and everything is just such, we're, we're in such a dynamic place where, where we can really do our jobs from anywhere. And there's always constantly new processes and new businesses and new different business streams popping up. I think really just keeping with the times and not st being stagnant with kind of how accounting has been seen in the past is really one of the biggest challenges. So, you know, in implementing new technologies in order to kind of make the accountant's lives easier and really possible, I think is, is the most important, you know, with these high growth startups, you know, we're going from a very small group of folks, you know, working in, in almost what you would expect, like a garage to, to a big company very quickly. And, and I think from an accounting perspective, it's quite difficult to scale. So without having technology behind you or other types of other types of processes, it's really difficult to stay on top of, of your financial statements. 
what are some things you're doing to kind of keep up with the changes going on in the world and as it relates to accounting and finance? So one thing that I've I've learned that we've we've had to do to keep up with it is really working working very closely with business analysts and and our engineers in, in a way. So constantly making sure that you have the reporting capabilities, especially from a revenue perspective, in order to close the books A correctly and, and B on time. Before I think it was much easier when typical businesses were really just issuing paper invoices, you were selling physical goods and you know you would receive a lot of documentation from third parties. But now, you know, a lot of us are building in-house, you know, software systems and being able to extract all the information you need in order to account for it properly is one of really the most important things, especially when looking from the revenue perspective. So, you know, working with the engineers, working with the product folks and really being able to understand how to extract all the key information from the system to me is one of the the, the biggest challenges and, and really one of the more interesting things of the job. So I've, I've seen it as a, as a way for me to kind of expand my knowledge base and really understand how the product works and understand how an engineer thinks and, and kind of work with them to, to develop the right reports and the right capabilities within your product. Yeah. And you, I would say even for Topalti, you know, because we have a SaaS model technically, <laughs> but we also have this monetization side to our business it can be very complex. And I can't even imagine how you send out a bill to a customer with, with some of our unique ways to monetize our technology. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. I think in a, in a instant or in a business like Topalti, it's, it's, it, it's really tricky, right? There's, there's so many different ways companies now are monetizing. And, and in that way, you know, you have to be able to slice and dice the information correctly. And typically when the engineers or the product people are building these, these tools or th- this product to be sold to external parties, they're not thinking about it from an accounting perspective. So being able to kind of dig into the details, being able to extract all the information you need from an accounting perspective, which, you know, you've got to get pretty granular is, is a challenge. And for me, I see that as a really good opportunity to to learn a lot. And that's what really makes the job fun. I think it makes it more exciting than what you would think of a typical accountant just kind of sitting behind a desk and, and just, you know, inputting data. It's not so much what it is these days. It's really just kind of, you know, you have to work with so many different teams to be able to understand how you can get the right information in order to put it in our ERP system and account for it properly. Are you involved right now with our product team in terms of coming up with some of the monetization models? So from a monetization model perspective, no, I mean, you know, I've been able to help in in some cases is to to kind of on the analysis perspective, right? Being able to look and, and show, hey, for the last couple of months, you know, this is kind of where our products are. These are the products that are, that are you know, trending upwards. These are the products that are not proving to be as successful as we would have expected. But for me, really, when I'm working with the product team, it's being able, you know, I'm working with the product team to understand how can we improve the product to report things a little bit more correctly. More importantly, in this case, it, it would be for the sales tax project that we're working on. I'm working closely with our product team to understand, hey, how do we integrate this in our product? How do we make sure that you know we're charging sales tax for the correct products? And how do we identify those? And how do we also present this to the customer in the best way possible? But hopefully in the future, you know, we can work on more projects and and I can help monetize and and work from that perspective as well. 
We touched on technology a bit, but any other insights or tips on how to choose the right financial technology? I think when it comes to financial technologies, there's a fine line, right? There's there's constantly new technologies coming out that have a lot of great features. But at the same time, you almost want to, when it comes to accounting, you, you don't want to stray too, too far into something that's new that we don't have as much insight into because at the end of the day, you you the tried and true, a lot of times from an accounting perspective, works out a little bit better. So I think it's really just making sure that you're doing something that has the the controls in place to to give you all of the correct information. Because when it comes to accounting, you want to always make sure that everything is correct. But at the same time, staying in in touch with what's happening, you know, things are changing so fast, you have to be on top of all the latest technology. So kind of balancing that fine line between, you know, being very innovative, but also making sure you're sticking to something that can ultimately scale and give you the correct information. Is there a particular finance technology that you've been thrilled about in the last, say, five years? One of the finance technologies that I was pretty thrilled about, especially now learning more about it, was Depalti. I thought that, you know, I always, when I was working in the audit side of things, I always felt like the AP side of things was a little bit mundane and did not give people that are working in my accounting field enough flexibility to really take on some of the more interesting tasks. So being able to have a a process that that kind of automates the AP AP process and kind of gets us out of the weeds and allows, you know, the accountants to do really what I think is the most important job is to be able to provide information about the about the business in order to kind of make better decisions for the future. So that's been a very exciting one as well as, you know, one of our partners that we've been working with is is Flowcast. I thought that was a really great tool that we've been we implemented, you know, to automate and to kind of track the the checklist of of the closed process. I thought that was a really great tool and another one that really impressed me. Do you think that finance needs a culture? Definitely, yeah. I think the culture of finance has always been something that people think is is has been very lackluster. And, and quite frankly, in a lot of cases, it can be. But I think that the culture in finance is more important now than ever. Really, you know, you have to make sure that you have a culture that's going to breed people to think outside of the box, to to be willing to kind of take some risks and and try new things which I don't think is something that most accountants would, you know, that's not kind of their first go-to. They're a little bit more rigid and a little bit more by the rules just by nature from the work that we're doing. But I think that, you know, when you can create a culture that, you know, kind of pushes pushes folks to think a little bit outside of the box, it, it allows for a lot of progress and a lot of really innovative thoughts that from a fi- from an accounting perspective, you typically wouldn't think of. I would pay $50 for you to take Sarah or Gertrude or Faye or Paul in one of your cars. Oh my God. Yes. I, I would love to do that. I mean, I, I really, I think that would be a blast to, to take one of them out in the car and just kind of show them what I can do in, in, in there would be a blast to just kind of give them a little bit of a scare, but I think it would give them the excitement that I think we all need. When you do, please go pro it. And then uh, we'll, we'll post it on the, our socials. <laughs> Oh, definitely. Okay, that that's a good thing to do. Once once the quarantine and everything else is over, I'm going to make sure that's on my list. On the personal side, are there any missions that you're passionate about? For me, one of the things that I'm very passionate about is is really introducing more people like myself, people that come from backgrounds that you typically wouldn't think would be interested in finance or accounting. 
to to really open their eyes and think more about that because I really think that it's opened up a lot of doors for me. You know, nobody that I grew up with really knew what accounting was in in, in its entirety. Both of my parents are psychology degrees and you know they're more on the on the soft touchy feely stuff which I think really helped me but you know I didn't have anyone to to really think about you know going into accounting or anything like that so for me it's really just working with some of the younger kids and just introducing them and letting them know that hey you know I know it sounds kind of dorky to be an accountant but it's actually pretty fun you learn a lot of really good skills and it's a great career so for me, I, I try and do that as much as I can. Talk to talk to you know family members, young kids that I meet, things like that, just to help people kind of see what opportunities accounting can really bring you. Are there groups like that where you can do that kind of outreach? There are. You know, I did a lot of that over at KPMG. So I actually got introduced to KPMG through a diversity leadership program, which was which was pretty interesting. So they would go into universities and try and identify kids from diverse backgrounds who basically had, you know, they had some good grades and, and probably could could shine in the accounting field. And, and while I was at KPMG, you know, I participated in, in those types of outreach programs within the company a lot. So, you know, it, introducing more kids to internships and things like that outside of KPMG, I haven't been able to do it as much. But Whenever I do any kind of volunteer work, I always try and identify any kids that I think that look like they're kind of bright, look like they're kind of a little bit more more fun and, and have that that spark that, that I think you really do need, that curiosity for, you know, being skilled in accounting and finance. And I try and introduce them to it. You know, I try and talk to them about what I'm doing and how I got to where I am. And I think a lot of them, at least if anything, at least it gives them another opportunity to kind of hear from somebody that they wouldn't expect, you know, to be in accounting, my insights into my kind of career path. And for our last question, any advice for our business finance friends? I would say as, as far as advice goes, I would say, you know, s- stay curious and stay open to, to new things. When there's new technologies, a lot of times when it comes to finance, we've been a little bit more reluctant to try try something that's a little bit more new and a little bit more innovative. So I would say staying staying you know open to new ideas and, and doing things a little bit differently is something that in finance we need to do a little bit more of. Another huge thank you to Darius for joining us today. Yeah, definitely. That was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it as well. And I hope you guys have a great day and we can see each other soon. Same table, same row. Definitely. Thank you again. For all our listeners, be sure to tune in next time for a new episode of the BFF podcast. Thanks for joining your BFFs. Subscribe to the Business Finance Friends podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever podcasts live. If you have any feedback or would like to participate in our podcast series, email us at bffs at